Hey, Rose people, it's Christine. I am going to tell you today about a project that I've been working on for the last year on reverence. And I was called to write about reverence as a worldview, a way of approaching life with wonder, care, and gratitude, and attention and respect after spending years watching people bludgeon themselves with the pace of modern life. And after studying ecology and philosophy, and beginning to see the connection between how we treat ourselves and how we treat the world around us, and that there is such a hunger for more meaning and more enchantment and more connection in the people that I was encountering. So I decided to write about reverence, creating ritual in modern life, a way of slowing down and witnessing and feeling and celebrating and making meaning alone and with others little spots of beauty, pausing before meals to drop into full appreciation, saying thank you to plants before harvesting them, marking important moments in new ways, maybe even rebinding ourselves to the cycle of the day and the moon and the seasons. Reverence is a way of being more present and participating in beauty. I call it moving from the habitual to the ritual. And I noticed in writing the book that There were a lot of places we have ritual around birth, say, or weddings or a funeral, but there are a lot of places that are really important either personally or in the collective cycle of our lives that go unmarked. Coming of age is unmarked for many people in the West. Menarche is unmarked. Menopause is unmarked. Empty nesting is unmarked. A lot of other kinds of grief are unmarked. And then there are kind of rituals for getting us through daily life, personal daily rituals, self-care, self-love, self-protection, community bonding, beginning of a new chapter, all kinds of places that it would be beneficial to take a pause. And so the book and really the movement around reverence that I'm hoping to sort of begin a conversation about is around that. So I thought I would read to you a little bit of the beginning uh, chapter. The first chapter is called How Do We Serve Enchantment? Con permiso, with your with your permission. Ernst Younger says in Sicilian Letter to the Moon, the real is just as magical as the magical is real. Seeing things as enchanted isn't just a nice to have or an ephemeral moment of joy. It's a way of seeing that for me is a vital part of reconnecting to the wonder of life because beauty and magic make us fall in love. As my friend Louis Schwartzberg says, we protect what we love. And this simple insight is the basis for what's called spiritual ecology. Enchantment is one cure for the degradation of and separation from nature. This applies to my own health and happiness, too. Our mental health crises mirror our ecological crises. And if we are not in love and enchanted with life, it can all be a chore. We humans live on Earth thanks to a wondrous combination of circumstances. Consider this. The Earth's molten core creates the perfect gravitational pull so that we have an atmosphere. And without the core being exactly as it is, the atmosphere would evaporate into space. Humans are perfectly attuned to breathe here as the plants are perfectly attuned to photosynthesize. We are bathed in the constant nourishment of the light and heat we receive in diurnal cycles from the sun. We are nested in a perfect soup of ecosystems, a field and ocean in balance, a magical place where food literally grows on trees. 
I mean trees themselves are magical. And seeds and children, and the way raindrops create a prism, or the way a cello playing low and deep can vibrate our cells and bring us to our knees. All of it is precious. The blooming night jasmine, the rare orchid, as well as the dandelion and the tumbleweed the Grand Vista, and the Neighborhood Park. So when I say reverence, I don't mean some rarefied, deified, hierarchical, external definition of what is worthy of our honor and attention. I mean living in such a way that we see all of life as worthy of our deep respect, even our awe. One word that gets little attention these days is humble. Humility is from the Latin humilitas, alternately translated as grounded, It has the same root word as the word humus or earth and as the word human. Humble isn't lowly or playing small. It's just a willingness to see all the world as interdependent and to act from that awareness. Humility is a practice of bowing down in wonder and gratitude to the infinite complexity and surprise of the manifest world. It does include devotion and can include surrender, the willingness to not know, the willingness to be wrong, the willingness to be part of nature. It doesn't mean we don't go out and learn and search and delight in the knowledge that we gain. It just means that we accept that we don't have the full picture, that kind of humility. But this awareness of magic and enchantment isn't always present. If I get jaded or routinized or hurried, or if I don't pause, the sense of magic can fade and modern life can be a kind of sensory and psycho-emotional bludgeon It moves so fast with so many inputs, and modern culture rarely syncs with our biology. We push through all kinds of experiences, barely pausing. Maybe we are waiting for a day to process and feel, to walk in the woods, sleep in, or take a long pause, to go on retreat or on vacation. But a vacation, as one of my teachers says, should be for play and expansion, not a correction to your life. If we do need a vacation just to recover from daily living, it might be time to reconsider the pace of that. Enchantment and magic are also, at their core, creative. They break spells and make spells. Being able to enchant the world unwinds old way of seeing and makes space for new ideas to grow. So musicians and inventors and creators of all kinds take away old concepts and replace them with new inspirations. Do you see how it's a kind of magic to be able to envision a world that does not yet exist and to paint that picture for others? The poet and mythologist Lewis Hyde said it this way, tricksters make the world. My friend John Shiva goes a step further. He says that magic is the basis for all things. This is a quote, although we try to explain many aspects of the universe through science, it is in its very essence magical. And the more you observe it as being magical, the more you start to see things such as synchronicities. And the more tuned in you get to it, the more that you're able to effortlessly manifest magic in your own life. In a world obsessed with the measurable, with facts and figures and numbers, it sometimes takes practice and intention to bring the magic back into focus. And we do this by cultivating a kind of receptivity to it. We harmonize with the omnipresent universal orchestra and know that we are, as my friend Katie Roper says, simultaneously both playing our part and also surrendering to the whole. I love that orchestra metaphor. And for all of this to happen, we might need a complete revolution in our interior space. Maybe we say, I am the earth and it is me. I am not better than it nor above it, rather utterly and completely dependent on it. I stop trying to be in mastery allow for the mystery, for the not knowing, 
and return to the deep listening that allows me to live better as part of the community of all beings. My eldest daughter says that magic begins in a place where one can humble the ego and marinate in the energetic fields all around us. Things happen in this space that go beyond human willpower and manipulation alone. And for her also, it begins with listening, noticing, believing. From that place, she says, the emerging desire to breathe life into a positive, beautiful world around us grows. And then we engage in ways that plant seeds of beauty and kindness throughout the journey. Personally, she says, I speak love to the plants, encourage them in their growth and let them know how incredible they are bringing nutrients into the world in their own unique and beautiful ways. There are things that stop the flow of magic. Fear stops the flow, or at least blocks our perception of it. Magic is still there waiting for us. Busy stops the flow. After all, playing and daydreaming, creating full belly laughs, finding whimsy requires a little spaciousness. Isolation can stop the flow. And the wrong kind of company can stop the flow, like too much hanging around with people who don't share the aspiration to love and enchantment. Conversely, when we gather with people who share this frequency, it amplifies things. I mean people who will pause in appreciation, maybe because they suddenly perceive the ocean current sloshing around the earth, keeping it perfectly in check, or who will look up from their cooking or writing and see how the light is coming through the screen and catching dust motes, making the air more tangible and glittery. People who will catch in their awareness thin slices of the sublime, a backlit dandelion, a child in sweaty play, air moving across a plane's wing, an 80-year-old honu swimming in the bay or the dawn chorus, people with the gift for exquisite noticing. Because when we revere something, we pay attention to it. Attention is love, and when we're paying attention, it's all sort of enchanted. We engage in rituals and ceremonies deliberately slowing time, making meaning, making space to connect, create, and feel. And then we fall in love. And in this enchantment, we give our deep care and protection. Well, that's the first chapter. It's pretty beautiful to go from there into why ritual, cultivating presence, the inner space of ritual, Uh, The environment of ritual, where I talk about creating an environment in the home and home altars and things like that. And then some very specific guidelines on how to make a beauty spot or how to craft a home altar, how to do personal intimate rituals with your partner, rituals of appreciation, how to guide yourself and others through grief and loss. I, I think you'll find it quite beautiful. So I'd like to invite you to join me on a journey from the habitual to the ritual by coming over to the Rosebud Woman site, rosewoman.com, and buying the book, taking a look at some of the rituals that we've put up there. Um, You can also find them on my site, xtinem.com, xtinem.com. And uh, let me know what you think Obviously, in a book of this scale, there's no way to describe every kind of ritual, but it should serve as a basis for how to walk yourself through a more meaningful connection to life in this beautiful human body. Okay, thank you so much for listening. Reverence, magic, enchantment, meaning, connection, community, all things we care deeply about. 
peace, love, blessings. <laughs>